Welcome to another episode of Relationship Alive. This is your host, Neil Satin. Today, I'd like to have a conversation about a topic that's a little dicey for some of us. Do you or your partner use pornography? What place, if any, does it have in your relationship? Is it helpful? Is it creating conflict? Is it possible that it's having an influence on your relationship and you don't even know about it? Today, my guest is Gary Wilson from YourBrainOnPorn.com and author of the book, Your Brain on Porn. Rather than talking about whether or not porn is good, bad, healthy, unhealthy, we're going to talk about the effects of porn use on your brain. What can happen when you or your partner uses porn? And what can shift when you remove porn from your life? We're also going to cover how to know if porn is having a secret impact on your relationship, how to have compassion for those who are affected by it, and how to get it out of your life. As for me, I'm curious, not so much about the rightness or wrongness of it, but about what porn does to you and your biochemistry. Is it helping you or not? And once you learn about what it does, you might be inclined to find a way to remove porn once and for all. And, as always, we will have a free giveaway of a signed copy of Gary's book, so stay tuned for details on how to win that. All this and more on today's episode of Relationship Alive. Thank you so much, Gary Wilson, for being here with us today. Uh, glad to be here. Great. The, one of the reasons that this topic is so interesting for me and why I wanted to bring it on to our show is that pornography has clearly become so pervasive in terms of frequency of use and who's using it and public debates about whether it's good or whether it's bad. It's really becoming part of our culture or has woven its way in, particularly with the younger generation. And yet, as you make really clear in your book and on your website, the use of porn, particularly internet porn, can have an enormous impact on a relationship. And it has this odd uh, quality to it, which is that people don't really want to talk about porn all that much. So for those of you who are listening to today's show... This could very well be an issue for you that you know about, or it could be one that you don't know about. And so as Gary and I chat today, hopefully you'll be able to see, you know, maybe how you can figure out if there's something going on, or if you know something is going on, really a new way of looking at it that's not caught up in the moral question of, is it good or is it bad? Um, and more just some honest, discourse about is this really having a positive effect in your relationship and what we really want to do here gary is to help people have amazing relationships but i'm curious to know if you can just give us a quick background on what led you to to your research on internet porn use and and being so involved in helping people uh f learn more about it and recover from its uh its problems yeah, uh, I just want to say that I'm not religious and I don't want to ban porn and I'm extremely liberal. Some people, uh, that's important to know that. Some people, it's not. Uh, this probably occurred because about nine years ago, men started showing up on my wife's forum 
It was a website that had nothing to do with porn. It was about relationships and had lots of articles, which we'd written about the neurobiology of sex, bonding, uh, falling in love. And in that, they had many keywords that Google put together, such as, of course, orgasm, ejaculation, dopamine, addiction, the reward center. The men showed up, read some of the articles, and they decided to start posting about their porn addiction because they, I guess they felt it was a safe way. My wife was saying, like, what are you doing here? <laughs> well, uh, Google, as it does, put together their posts and more showed up and more showed up. And what was occurring is most men were showing up because porn had caused sexual dysfunction, such as ED, the inability to orgasm, loss of libido and morphing sexual tastes that disturbed them. So when they gave up porn, they called it a reboot, and they reversed many of the symptoms. Their erectile dysfunction improved or went away. They were able to orgasm. They found real partners a lot more attractive than they could get aroused. But also what happened during these first years was the, the men also experienced other benefits like uh, less social anxiety, more confidence, more motivation, their brain fog cleared up, uh, depression sometimes uh, uh, lessened, uh, emotional numbness uh, went away. Uh, you know, so lots of other improvements occurred. And so we felt compelled to write articles and we were blogging on Psychology Day at the time, wrote some articles and then more men showed up and it just overran my wife's site. At that time in 2010, I created yourbrainonporn.com. Uh, that sort of blew up, and then I was asked to do a TED Talk, and then that blew up. So it's, it's evident that there must be a problem for, for <laughs> the TED Talk and Your Brain on Porn and all these uh, Psychology Day articles become so popular. So anyhow, that's, that's a long story short. Yeah, so you just more or less found your place, yourself in the right place at the right time. Or the right place at the wrong time, the wrong place at the wrong time, because, you know, I was definitely resistant uh, to getting involved with this because uh, I know how it is uh, so controversial. And uh, <laughs> so I, I really didn't want to get involved. But at the same time, we saw men who were uh, suicidal because they had erectile dysfunction and the urologist said, hey, there's nothing we can do. There's nothing wrong with you. It's all in your head. And they're like, no, it's not in my head. I never had performance anxiety. I'm 35. Uh, I had never had any problems, but now I can't even get an erection with porn. So uh, we felt compelled to write articles and get the word out because we saw so many men suffering and really felt that their lives were ruined. So just to be clear, is this a problem that's exclusively about men or is th what's the gender balance in terms of porn causing issues for uh you know for well obviously in a relationship if porn is causing an issue for let's say the man in the relationship then it's probably calling causing indirectly an issue for the woman in the relationship but the porn use itself is that just a ma a male thing more or less or what are you finding well almost all of our recovery stories are men and the forums that we monitor where these men discuss their problems, they're almost exclusively men. However, it's clear that women are also involved. Uh, we did do a search of a very popular porn recovery place called nofap.com. It's Reddit nofap, not nofap.com. 
And uh, we look for the women because they have a different colored name. It's pink. So, and so you look for the women and we wrote an article about it and it was surprising, but there were lots of women on there, a few thousand, and they were having problems that were similar to the men. But again, the data points that we collect are primarily men. Got it. One, maybe this would be a good time to just talk about, I think... One thing that's challenging about porn is people don't want to talk about it. Yeah. And so maybe what we can do is, I think your work does a really great job of reframing it, not as a porn problem, but as a problem with how porn inter interacts with the neuroplasticity of our brain, how our brains work and what that does. So could you give a little overview for our listeners of what's going on biochemically? Why is, why is this creating a problem and why is it a problem now, whereas, you know, 20 years ago, this kind of thing may not have been a problem nearly at all? Yeah, so it has to do with uh, the reward circuit of the brain, which is this deep, primitive part of the brain that is common in all mammals, and it runs on dopamine. So what does the reward circuit do? Well, it uh, gets activated, it gets turned on by dopamine to motivate you to do things that continue your survival or the survival of your genes. So whenever we desire food and eat food or sex or achievement or taking risks or falling in love or any type of accomplishment or even playing games, dopamine rises, activates the reward circuit and says, do that again, because that's important for your survival and for the continuation of your genes. Now, if we look at the Internet, the Internet's new. And what the Internet has is qualities that elevate dopamine and activate the reward circuit and tell you to do it again because it thinks those activities are important for the survival. One thing that activates the reward circuit, surprisingly, is novelty. Because novelty was important to notice novelty, whether it was novel mates, novel food, novel uh, intruders. Uh, that would be important for an animal to notice. So anything novel ups dopamine and says, do that again. Well, what is the Internet? It's novelty. You can click from, uh, with, if you're using porn, you can click from scene to scene, or you can click from email to email story to story. That's why it's so captivating. And that's why our entire generation has their face in an iPhone because they're looking for something new because new raises dopamine. And dopamine is telling your primitive brain, this is important for your survival. So that's the beginning point. Now, uh, if you have any questions? Um, no, you can continue. Yeah. So what about internet porn? Well, internet porn, you can click from scene to scene. You can go to what are called tube sites, which were invented in 2006, which is streaming videos, and click from three-minute video to three-minute video, and you can do this forever. Now, sex raises dopamine far higher than any other natural reward. Sex and reproduction is your gene's number one priority. So sex is extraordinarily captivating. So Sexual novelty, combine those two things, is extraordinarily appealing and captivating, especially to the male brain, because males are sort of programmed 
to spread our genes, even though we resist it or don't do it if we fall in love. But here's the thing about the internet is it not only raises dopamine because you're clicking from scene to scene and it's sexual, other things also raise dopamine, such as uh, shock, surprise, uh, searching and seeking, and even anxiety. They all raise dopamine. In fact, the reward circuit, you'll hear that the reward circuit is considered the searching or seeking circuit. It's activated in anticipation of a reward. It's not, so that's what really gets the reward circuit going. The dopamine is raised even more when you're seeking a reward prior to actually getting the reward. So that's the internet. Search, seek, shock, surprise, even anxiety if you're watching something that causes anxiety in you, anticipation that raises dopamine. So what we have is a perfect storm. The internet with its endless sexual novelty and shock and surprise and searching hitting us in our primitive reward centers. So that's what makes the internet and internet porn so different from porn of the past. Simple photos of naked women couldn't do that. And the other thing is we're watching movies of real people have real sex so that really affects especially young people who spend years watching real people have real sex. That's different from looking at a Playboy. The movies completely co-opt and hijack their sexuality. They think that's how they should do it. And it's also um, quite, <laughs> it's much more appealing to the reward center. Right. So you have people there, there was already the capacity to just be addicted to the internet and then throw on top of that the, the added, uh, incentive, if you want to put it that way, of what porn stimulates within your brain and your body. And it just ups it to the nth degree. Right. And so what, uh, what porn is, is what scientists called a supernormal stimulus. And a supernormal stimulus is something that naturally appeals to us, but it appeals to us far more than the normal stimulus. For example, junk food, concentrated salt, sugars, and fats in, uh, combined in textures and flavors we've never seen before are far more appealing to the reward circuit than dried deer meat or boiled roots. So now, have you ever seen a fat hunter gather. No, because, you know, they're chewing on dried meat and they're full and they're done. However, now with the junk food, we can overfeed ourselves. And the reason we can overfeed ourselves is because those concentrated fats, sugars, and other chemicals really stimulate the reward circuit to overconsume because calories, of course, are very important to survival. And so now we have what in America, 35% of adult Americans are obese, 80% of overweight. And that's because they are exposed to a supernormal stimulus. Internet porn is also a supernormal stimulus. I'm wondering for the people listening, I think if there's a porn issue going on in their relationship that they're aware of, then they're going to be really curious about what we're going to be talking about next, which is 
well, what do you, what can you do? Or what are some, what are some helpful hints for people to get past this? But for the people who maybe don't know this is going on, what are some things that they might notice in their relationship? Um, and, and maybe we could even say like from the perspective of the non-porn user, what might you notice in your partner? And from the perspective of the porn user, what are some things that people might recognize as signs of, oh, this is actually going on in my life and this is causing a problem for me? Yeah, so many of the guys who show up on the forums that we monitor have hit the wall, often with sexual problems or they know they're addicted, they can't stop, uh, they're just using compulsively maybe several times a day. However, the question, the first question is, can it affect you without you being addicted? Well, of course it can. You mentioned something called neuroplasticity, and that is the concept that the brain is plastic and changeable. And what it does is you're constantly training your brain, no matter what you do in life. So if you're sitting in front of a computer uh, watching porn, you're training your brain to be aroused to sitting in front of a computer, watching porn, clicking from scene to scene, needing a certain level of stimulus, needing to be a voyeur. So you're training it. And sex and orgasm is the most powerful brain trainer that we can have. It really rewires the brain because it's an explosion of dopamine, it's an explosion of endorphins, and that has been found in many uh, experiments on animals to actually rewire the brain to say, okay, this is really good, and this is how I should have my sexual experience. So you are training the brain to do that. So you may not become addicted. You may uh, train your brain two or three times a week. But what occurs is that guys who aren't addicted and they remove porn, they experience changes. They find real sex much more appealing. They find real life partners much more appealing. Often they'll have even more energy or more motivation. So the answer to the question is you need to eliminate porn use for a while to actually see how it's affecting you. For some guys, especially guys who grew up using internet porn, who are maybe 22 now and started using it at age 10, they often have to go a very long time, sometimes a few years, because it's affected them so deeply. But that's the first answer to the question. Uh, to expand on it, so, so a lot of guys, even guys with severe chronic ED, did not believe that porn was causing their ED. That's how ingrained it was in their psyche. So really, you have to give it up to find out. Yeah, one thing that was really interesting in your book was the litany of problems, depression, anxiety, the physical issues like erectile dysfunction, uh, where people were seeking treatment and not really getting any results. And it turned out that all of those things could have been just traced back to their use, and in many cases, just moderate use of porn. Yeah, it, it's usually guys who are moderate users of porn don't end up with erectile dysfunction, though we've seen a few. Uh, uh, there was one, only one study had 
men remove porn for three weeks. And it was sort of a tricky study as they told them that it wasn't about porn. It was about, uh, it was about uh, self-control. So they were doing a study on self-control and they're going to, but the guys gave up porn. And when they gave up porn, they assessed the control group and they assessed the guys who gave up porn. These guys were not addicted. And they found a big difference between the two, even after three weeks. So the difference was that the guys were far more committed to a relationship uh, who gave up porn than they were prior. So that's just a simple psychological change. That doesn't even start to look at the deeper neuroplastic changes where you uh, sexually condition your arousal to a screen and use new porn. Right. Not to mention what you... Oh, can you talk about for a minute that question of what you think your sexuality is and how porn use can change that and how stopping porn can also change how you view your sexuality and what turns you on? Yeah, so that's a pretty controversial one. But contrary to the memes out there, you are not, you know, the type of porn you're using does not represent, you know, your sexuality. You know, how could porn represent all of our sexuality when there's just endless novelty? How could it represent someone's sexuality when they start watching lesbian porn and just straight porn, and they do that for six years, then year seven, year eight, year nine, they start watching bestiality or incest or rape porn. So what occurs is why would guys or women move on to porn that doesn't match their original sexual taste? Well, this comes down to the neuroplastic changes. And one of the neuroplastic changes is desensitization. And this occurs with addiction, but it can occur without addiction, is that you need more and more stimulation in order to get the same buzz. So if you spent several years just watching straight porn and you're sort of bored and it just doesn't get it for you anymore, you go search for something that will get you excited. Remember, shock, surprise, anxiety, all raise dopamine. So guys will often move into genres that cause anxiety or shock or surprise, and that will up dopamine and up their sexual arousal. So people will move through genres because they just have desensitized their brain. Some will actually move even into genres that don't match their sexuality. So we've had many guys and some women who have moved, for example, guys who've moved into watching transsexual porn or gay porn who are straight, but also gay guys and gay women who have moved into watching straight porn, often rape porn, in order to get a buzz. And when they unplug and stop using porn, they see a reversal of their sexual taste and they end up being, again, (laughs) excited by real people that match their real sexual orientation and their earlier sexual taste. Which seems like what you would want to foster when you're in a relationship with someone. You want to be present with your partner and turned on by your partner and really alive in the moment with your partner and not 
either desensitized to your partner um, or wishing you were sitting in front of a computer screen in order to get turned on by your partner. What would what would a woman just to to be gendered for a minute here? Like if her man had a porn issue and she didn't know, what might she notice? Well, she, <laughs> she could go look at his search history, but guys are too clever for that. <laughs> uh, what might she notice? Well, the first thing she might notice is that he's not as interested. Well, it might not be the first thing, but one of the things. It can go a few ways, and it really depends on how far down the rabbit hole the guy has gone. One thing that occurs early on is the guy is asking for the type of sexual acts he sees in porn. So it starts to get kinkier, stranger, and she knows this isn't how he was. So that might be one aspect. As it goes further along, she might notice, if she can, that he's not very present. He may, you know, what he's really doing is he's trying to imagine porn in order to stay excited. So if she senses he's not present, that might be another one. Then it starts to be less sex, uh, less touching, uh, just wanting to get off without any foreplay. Then eventually, you know, the guy, if it really gets bad, may have trouble getting an erection. Before that, he may have trouble orgasming. It may take him longer. So there's all sorts of signs sexually that could occur. I think what's wild, too, is that when people stop using porn, their own ability to connect with others, to be fully themselves and alive, can just make such a huge shift. So when those people are in relationships, their partner will often start responding to them completely differently, feel their presence, be more attracted to them. So many things can shift when you stop essentially drugging yourself with porn that have a huge payoff in relationship. And that's the story we hear over and over again. Uh, guys become more present in every part of their life, uh, whether it's relationships, work, anything they're trying to achieve, hobbies. And those same changes, you know, slightly more motivation, more confidence, uh, more attraction to partners, just consistently over and over again, that, that's what's reported. I do want to mention that with paired with this episode, we have a, a quick guide to the things that Gary and I are talking about here, just with some helpful hints, and I'll give you information on how to download that. And also, Gary's book, Your Brain on Porn, which is like the companion guide to his website, his book is available in an ebook format and it's just recently come out in paperback and Gary will be giving away a signed copy of the book to a lucky listener and again toward the end of this episode I'll give you information on how you can sign up for the giveaway so thanks for that Gary you bet um and so th these the book and the guide and and his site yourbrainonporn.com are just really great for Partly that reason that you hear all of these anecdotal stories and that will resonate one way or another. They'll resonate in terms of inspiring you like, wow, like I didn't even know that that was connected, but I'm experiencing that and and I'm really looking forward to that shifting for me. Or, you know, maybe you'll you'll also get inspired by 
hearing how things shift for people when they make the switch. And it's funny, you know, we can wait for science to catch up and prove that all this is going on, although it sounds like there are lots of studies that back up the the way that internet porn use interacts with the addiction and reward circuitry in the brain. But but it's an easy enough experiment to do. You stop using porn for a few weeks. I mean, most of the people who say stop just do it one day at a time, right? But, um, you know, three. it seems like three months is a pretty consistent, like this is a time to allow yourself to reboot and see if any changes are happening. Is that accurate? Well, the 90-day thing is, is fine, and it really came from Reddit NoFap. Um, you got to remember that the men who decided to reboot or quit porn and see what occurs mainly had sexual problems. And back in the old days, the old days, 2007, 2008, they were older guys who didn't grow up with porn, and it only took them about six to eight weeks, and their erections were back to normal. But what we're seeing now is especially the young men who spent their entire adolescence watching porn, they are sometimes needing a year, even up to two years to get their erections back. So it really depends why you're quitting. If you're quitting, you don't have any problems, and 90 days is fine uh, just to see the effects. But if you have severe problems like altered sexual taste or sexual problems, it may take longer. And I just want to mention, you talked about studies. Well, there aren't too many studies, but there's four brain studies that have been done on porn years. And all, four, all four of them found the same brain changes as seen in drug addicts. And of course, people go, what do you mean? Porn is like drugs? Well, here's the thing. It's all addictions, whether the behavioral chemical uh, cause the same brain changes. That's pretty much set. And the brain changes are initiated by pretty much one thing, and that's high dopamine in the reward center. So whether you're addicted to cigarettes or you're addicted to porn, the initiating mechanism was the same. High dopamine in the reward center over a long period of time then initiates the brain changes that we see are correlated with addiction. If you're looking for a good reason to stop, you could go no further than decreased gray matter and you know, <laughs> lack of synapses or decreased number of synapses firing. And, you know, I would think that for most people, that would be enough, you know? Yeah. And you're talking about the German study, Max Planck Institute. And th this study didn't look at porn addicts. It just correlated years of use and hours per week of use with brain changes. And it found that the more years someone used and the more hours per week, they had less gray matter in the reward centers, which also they found uh, was reflected in less sexual arousal when they flashed up images. So that was one big change. And also a place in the front of the brain called the frontal cortex was also changed. And that was correlated to porn use. Uh, so there were several brain changes they found correlated with porn use, and these were non-addicts. I'm curious, what would you say to the partner of someone who is suffering from their porn use to help them come to the table in terms of helping their partner actually make a shift? Do you have any, any insight for those people? 
Yeah, well, the first one and the main thing, and it's hard to remember, is this has nothing to do with you. Just like if he was fat, had nothing to do with you because he's exposed to junk food and French fries, and potato chips and ice cream all day old and with commercials. So he's been exposed to Internet porn probably long before he met you. He got used to using it. It's normal. That's what it is in society. It's considered normal. Some people consider it healthy. I don't know how that came about. And so it's just part of what he does. Now, you can never match Internet porn. You can't match the novelty of clicking from video to video, you know, seeing 500 different porn stars in a two hour session. It cannot be matched. So you will never match that in terms of novelty and stimulation. What you can match and supersede is you can provide love and caring and touch and all those things that a screen cannot. And when he unplugs and his brain starts to normalize over time, he will become much more sensitive to the real rewards which are coming from you, the partner, just like you described. Yeah, and as best you can, I think if you can foster an environment where it's okay to talk about this issue that it's going on, even maybe to own your judgment if you have some judgment around it, um, but, to, but to own that and say, I have some judgment about this, but it's more important to me that we be clear in our communication and that I want to know what's going on with you. And particularly as you, as you see that this isn't about you and it's not about the desire for like ultra kinky sex, that it's actually about these changes that have been happening in your partner's brain. And you see that there's actually a path to recovering from that and switching back. Then I, I think that neutralizes it quite a bit for, for both the person using porn and the person who can support them where they, they recognize this isn't really a, an interpersonal issue. It might be if there's a lot of conflict and stress and, you know, there, are, there may be other issues in a relationship that are contributing to that person feeling like they need to escape. That is maybe yeah. beyond the scope of this conversation. But when it comes right down to it, any way that you have to like have it be on the table and have it be accepted at least to the level that where you're like, we're going to work on this, then that seems like that would be helpful. Yeah, many of the guys who have girlfriends or wives and they, they tell their partner and they find that it's, you know, it's very freeing and that, you know, even though the partner's upset, they do understand. And I think I would suggest maybe looking at my videos that are on the sidebar on my site where they explain explain the brain changes, they discuss all this. Uh, and that way, as a partner, you can understand that it's really about neuroplastic brain changes, and it's not really about you. So that might be helpful. That's great. Great advice. What about the actual recovery? What can you so, you know, we've been talking a lot about just stopping, but it's yeah. it might not be as simple as that for some people. So I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about some of the first strategies that people turn to to really help them make a shift. Yeah, you know, here's the deal is most people have to be motivated to quit. And unfortunately, the motivation for many 
of the people we see is sexual dysfunction. So it has to get that bad. And even many of them who are pretty sure that their erectile dysfunction is caused by porn use still have difficulty quitting. Uh, so when it comes to addiction, some people do have pre-existing conditions that make it much more challenging to quit, whether it's obsessive compulsive disorder or depression or social anxiety or just genetic uh, deficiencies. I'll just keep it simple. So that, that would be harder to quit. So we have to recognize that. The second thing we have to do is replace porn with other activities, unplug and replace it. And that would be, of course, such things as exercise, socializing. A good practice is meditation because it really builds up the frontal part of your brain. That's the willpower of the brain. Uh, exercise builds up the dopamine system, uh, repairs it. Uh, socializing is the normal reward. Uh, taking up hobbies, getting off of the computer, reading books, so lots of replacement activities. That said, some people actually need some type of program. My site doesn't offer a program, but there are programs uh, offered in the uh, top uh, bar up there, it says, for more help. So maybe some people will need a program. Others, if they're really in bad shape, may need to see a therapist. They may have underlying issues uh, also. So it really depends on the individual. Can we talk for just a second about cold showers? <laughs> cold showers. Uh, here's the funny thing is the publisher didn't want us to put it in there. He didn't want to talk about cold showers, but it's been such a huge practice for many of these men on the forums that we had to put it in there. And it's at first, <clears throat> excuse me, it sounds weird, but there's science behind it. And I would really encourage people to go to a website by a guy who has many, many advanced degrees in, uh, in biology, uh, Todd Becker. And the name of the site is Getting Stronger. And he discusses the science behind cold showers. And there are numerous benefits. And he even says, you know, it strengthens immunity. He has citations. It eases depression. Uh, it has so many benefits. And these guys uh, describe them. It's, it's a type of stimulus that he calls under the, the tagline hormesis, which is a little bit of negative, a little bit of stimulation, just enough stimulation to cause many of the systems of the body to adapt. Exercise is another form of hormesis. Even intermittent fasting is a form of hormesis. So it's a beneficial stressor that then leads to many physiological changes in the body. And right. it, it's, it's really starting to pop up all over the internet. The, the cold shower or just yeah the, that's cold, so the cold shower yeah <laughs> um f for one thing i just want to take a moment we're getting close to the end of today's show and i want to thank you gary wilson for coming on it's been so great to talk to you such amazing information and it's clear that this is an issue that is touching a lot of people 
probably more than you than we know because again it's it's secret it's taboo it's not something people want to talk about but when i was discussing with friends that i was going to be interviewing you uh one of them is a is a counselor and, and she said just this week she had had two or three people who had come in who were in some sort of crisis about the way that porn was affecting their relationship so these are just the people like as you mentioned who are in crisis seeing the counselor or because of some sort of sexual dysfunction that's happening. But if you throw in all the people who maybe aren't in crisis, but where it's impairing their confidence, their ability to think clearly, their the way they procrastinate as opposed to actually achieving goals, it it has the, the potential to really touch lots and lots of people. So I feel like your work is really important and I'm I'm really excited that you came on to to talk about it with people. Yeah, and I would just uh, suggest that guys or girls or whoever is using really challenge themselves to take that 90-day reboot, remove not only porn but artificial sexual stimulation. Don't replace porn with clicking on YouTube videos or surfing Craigslist. Just remove it and reorientate yourself to reality. Seems straightforward enough. Yeah. I want to remind people that you can get the show notes for this episode. You can get the quick guide that I've put together for some of the more salient points that Gary and I have discussed. If you go to neilsatin.com slash Gary W, and that would be the direct link to this episode. Or you can go to neilsatin.com slash extras, and that would be another place where you can see the um, the guide to this episode and download it. And if you download the guide to this episode or text the word PASSION, P-A-S-S-I-O-N, to the number 33444 within the first week that this episode is airing, then that will qualify you to... Uh, to win the f- giveaway book from Gary Wilson, the paperback edition of Your Brain on Porn. And uh, he'll sign that for you. He, he can make it out to anonymous if, if you want. Um, it, it can be delivered in a brown paper bag or not. I, I really feel like now is a time to make the discourse about this much more public, especially because it's affecting young people. And as you mentioned, Gary, there are younger younger and younger people who are being exposed to porn where it's really having a huge impact on their sexuality. So I'm wondering if in closing, if you could just take a minute and sort of talk about the future of where this is headed and how do we as a society confront porn as an issue, much like we did maybe smoking um, in order to help us really transform our consciousness about its effects and how to reverse them. Well, here's the deal. It's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. Uh, things are going to get worse. More guys are going to become addicted. More women are going to be affected. ED rates are going to keep going up. For example, uh, a study, uh, the biggest, largest study on erectile dysfunction done in 1992 found that the ED rates, the erectile dysfunction rates, were 5% for men ages 18 to 60. Studies in the last two years have found erectile dysfunction rates between 27 and 33% for men under 40. Wow. 
what's going on here? How do you explain that? Well, I have my own theories, obviously. So I think things are going to get worse. When you discuss the smoking aspect, uh, that's really a big, <laughs> big subject because there is a lot of research out there which tries to oppose the concept that porn could cause problems. And I'll be honest and blunt that much of that research is put out by people who want to find that. They actually have predetermined that's what they're going to find. So they create questionnaires that only find benefits with porn. And those questionnaires are the ones that are continued to be used that will only find benefits with porn. Uh, I have a description of that questionnaire on my site and how it's completely bogus. So... There is a, a group of vocal people who are going to put out studies that are pretty much bogus. And that's a pretty bold statement, but I've analyzed the study. Now, uh, what needs to be done is, I'm not really sure, but education, sex education is what they say is, should be done. But what's missing in sex education is education about the delicate reward center and how when it interacts with a supernormal stimulus, it can cause changes that can be pretty drastic. We already know that occurs when people eat junk food. Hundreds of studies showing that brain changes occur and people can become addicted to food. Now we have a supernormal stimulus of sexuality, internet porn, meeting the adolescent brain. And the purpose of adolescence is to rewire your sexuality to everything in the environment so that you can successfully reproduce. So we have entire generation masturbating to porn every day for years prior to actually going on a date. And we are going to see negative effects. This type of information, information about the adolescent brain, how it's completely different from the adult brain and how it's so vulnerable, and information on supernormal stimulus and how they interact with the delicate reward centers needs to be put into sex education. That would be a start. I really like that because I think it removes some of the moral question about whether it's good or not. In fact, I liked your, I think in the book you mentioned that there are people talking about, well, maybe we can teach people about good porn versus bad porn. And I think the point that you are making is that it's not about the porn. It's about what's happening in your brain. And, and in a way that also makes it easier, I think, to bring up in, in a school environment where you're not talking about, um, extreme forms of sex. You're actually just talking about how the brain works and offering that as an example of a road that you may not want to go down if you're, if you're looking to really achieve what you want to achieve from your life. Yeah, and I know it's not easy. Sex is a very delicate and controversial subject. So there's a lot of pushback about suggesting that internet porn could actually cause problems, but it can. That's a fact. And whether it's in sex education or not, pretty, in the next 10 years, it's going to become self-evident that it can. Well, Gary, thanks again for coming on today's show. Gary Wilson's website is yourbrainonporn.com, and his book is available in ebook format and in paperback. The book is called Your Brain on Porn. You can see from his website, if you go there, you can get links to his TED Talk and all kinds of amazing resources. And again, I'm also going to summarize 
the uh, the salient points from this episode on my website if you go to neilsatin.com slash GaryW. And uh, again, if you download the guide to this episode or you text the word passion to 3344, uh, and just follow the instructions there, that will register you for a giveaway for Gary's book and also get you the uh, the downloaded guide. So thanks again, Gary. And I challenge all of you listeners out there, if you're using porn, why not just take 90 days and stop and see what that does? If you don't notice any difference, then the porn's not going anywhere, at least not in the near future. Thanks again, Gary. You bet. My pleasure. And thank you for listening to another episode of Relationship Alive. If you like what you've heard and want to make it easier for other people to find out about us, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and to rate and review us on iTunes. If you have questions or comments or want to continue the conversation, you can always join our Relationship Alive community Facebook group. And for more information about today's episode, visit us online at neilsatin.com slash podcast. Or you can always text the word PASSION, P-A-S-S-I-O-N, to the number 33444 for more information. Finally, do you have a burning question that you're hoping we can have answered here on Relationship Alive, either for a future or past guest? Let me know and I'll see what I can do. Take care and see you next time.